0: What's up, Pals fans? Welcome to our first off-season episode of the Bird Calls. Now, today we're going to be celebrating top three finisher in both the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Cool stuff. To help us do it, we are joined by Bird Rights Editor and Chief, Mister Ali Cosell. How is your off-season going, sir? It's going well, Preston. The
2: heat is back in New Orleans. Been here for a couple of weeks, and I'm trying to do stuff around the house, so it's not a good
0: mix. But you know what? It's fine. <laughs> How exciting. What a, what a thrilling adventure you're on in your limited time away <laughs> from the Pelicans. Uh, I just went to New York. I went to New Orleans last week. Hi,
1: this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact
0: CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Obviously, and I'm back in Florida now, and it has been raining at every single stop. So a uh, truly dreadful outside. But to brighten things up, we are joined by a busy man in his own right. Every time I turn on Twitter, he's hopping on a radio spot somewhere on television. Mr. David Grubb of Crescent City Sports. How are you enjoying the conference finals, sir? Oh, I'm just following Ollie around. That's all I really do is wherever he shows up.
3: That's where I try to be and just catch the, the drafts behind him. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm enjoying the conference finals. They've been very interesting. And then of course, you know, the most fun for me is wrapping up another school year with the little one. So she's finishing the fourth grade now. And, and so we got three days left to school. So of course, that's my favorite
0: part of the year. Yay that is truly awesome and terrifying because before you know it she's yes. going to be a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome man. You're not truly following Ollie around cuz it sounds like he's got a lot of chores to do and could use a hand, isn't that right Ollie? I sure could, Dave. I got some painting to do, some <laughs> That's all right. No, no, I'll pass on that
3: stuff. I, I suddenly lost your
2: location.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. Let's start with Boogie. Uh, first, I'd like to stand on a on a box of soap, as Zach Lowe would call it for a moment. Now, Boogie spent a large portion of the Pelicans postseason on his social media accounts, making headlines on both Instagram and Twitter. And the news on both of these sites has been met with mixed reviews. It's been met with heavy intrigue, but also with this condescending eye of Sauron. And my message to those is simple. Welcome to the off season. If you are not here for confusing follows and cryptic hashtags, then, then what the heck are you doing here for all the silliness that comes with these messages? Some of it has been absolutely translated to news some of it has been prophetic and and some of it has broken apart teams and squads some of it has been used to openly recruit other NBA superstars and some of it has given us incredible insight into what must be an immense and emotional struggle for a player coming off a trade from a team in Sacramento that he was promised would not be traded under any circumstances just one or two weeks prior to that then he was he was paired with a friend a potential teammate for for the life of his career potentially with a general manager who took him under his wing only to see that career tarnished by a career threatening injury followed by uncertainty and open speculation by everyone. Ali, obviously I'm overblowing this and and, and I'm monologuing at this point, but we've got a trouble superstar who's reaching out through social media right now. And just how important is social media to basketball reporting in 2018?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, if you're a player like Demarcus, who kind of, you know, Let's just say, I don't want to call him Vault or anything, but he's, his, his temperament lends itself to uh, basically saying what's on his mind at any moment. So social media is right there. It's accessible. And uh, you know what? Millions are following him, so they're going to listen. And um, he's going to put some things out there that may you know, step on a little bit of toes, may sound a little, um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to get too deep into it, but I think the main thing, Preston, what we want to take out of all of this... Is uh, I'm hearing <laughs> your doctor. That didn't way. take long. <laughs> yeah. Is um. Look, DeMarcus Cousins is up for a new contract, and there's no way that he's going to get a max offer. I think from any team out there, and that we're talking, um, you know, thirty million dollars for just next season. So obviously he's now in a position to where he's trying to you know get the next best thing for himself. So he's going to be using social media to his advantage. He's going to bring up Dominique Wilkins. He's going to bring up the fact that his rehab's going really well. Um, and, and of course, in the land of agents, you're always trying to kind of position yourself, trying to create leverage. So that whole thing of him maybe unfollowing the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and whatever happened with the Lakers, whether he had anything new happen on that front or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's just that, again, he's going to keep trying to do stuff just to create you know that type of leverage when it comes time to negotiate to hopefully have some kind of a – better position to land just a few more millions of dollars on his next contract. So Preston, the social media aspect, people shouldn't look too seriously at it because the player is obviously got some things to say, and uh, he's going to obviously give himself the benefit of doubt, support his cause, have that no doubt um, in his return coming back from this terrible Achilles injury. But again, the biggest thing is going to come during July and uh, when they finally sit down. So everything that happens between now and then, it really doesn't matter. It's just kind of fun
0: for the masses. Now, David, uh, first of all, how much stock do you put into all of this social media conversation? And more importantly, it seems right now that Boogie is using his platform and his interview with Mark Spears to to kind of generate interest among the market. It it seems obvious that at this point that the Pelicans and Boogie, you know, are at a standstill. It's six weeks until uh anything will will surface and until other teams can can start contacting. So there's there's no one negotiating with uh, DeMarcus Cousins right now except for the Pelicans, so it's really hard to get a read on what's going to happen until that point. But in the meantime, with all this this stuff, this this post about Dominique Wilkins, as Ali alluded to, and the article with Mark Spears, just how much interest do you think he can actually generate from other NBA teams by all the, the press he's doing at this point? Well, I think the
3: market is going to stay what it is. It just depends on who's willing to step out first um cousins you know has to do a PR campaign of his own this is these are two sides negotiating so what DeMarcus is doing is trying to up his value potentially with the um teams that may be interested in him so of course he's going to say things like you know ask anybody in the locker room good and I'm not saying that 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 those things are not true but those are things that are not um going to be challenged in that article So Mark Spears isn't going to go back and say, well, let me go speak to every individual Pelican and see how they feel about the return of DeMarcus. Because, again, none of those players are going to come out publicly and say that they don't. I mean, I think the franchise is going to say up until the moment that they either sign and trade him or they let him walk or they re-sign him, they're going to say, we want to sign DeMarcus. That's just how it's going to go from the franchise perspective. And DeMarcus is going to do two things constantly through this process as well. One, he's going to say how much he wants to return to New Orleans because that's where the money is. And number two, he's going to always say that he's open to other possibilities because he it's a business and he can't seem closed off. So it doesn't really seem like anything novel is being done at this point. It's just two sides playing out their best negotiating hands.
0: All right, Ali. Uh, we do have a couple of quotes from that Mark Spears uh, article on the undefeated. Uh, some of them, like David just uh, mentioned, talking about re-signing with New Orleans, uh, ideal free agency destinations. Before we dive into this, obviously, Mark didn't you know, call a boogie and ask for this article. Somebody from Boogie's camp reached out, thought it was a good idea to get his side of the story out there. And it specifically coincided with that whole Instagram scandal. Why do you think Boogie requested this article? Obviously it's it's to talk about his uh to his rehab and, and how well it's going, but was was that really necessary and what benefit do you think comes from this article?
2: Well, this is a standard play, especially for a uh a player headed in a free agency, Preston. You want to get um keep your notoriety up and you wanna have your side um spoken for. As David mentioned perfectly, he is PRing for himself. So News reporters or beat reporters or NBA national writers are all going to want to write about something simply because it's a downtime of the season. Plus, they're going to get some answers that they want. But by doing so, they're obviously then letting that uh, player dictate certain things, say what he wants to get out there. And as we noticed with DeMarcus, it's simply to point out the fact that his rehab is probably ahead of schedule, that he's had no uh, problems on, on the area, that he's a great team fit, that he thought that the Pelicans played Um, At their best, they were at their peak back in January, right before he went down. So you you can kind of see the angle here. But again, this is just standard. This is not something unusual that DeMarcus is doing, Preston. So these uh, articles are just an expectation of the offseason that everybody should have, especially, like I said, when it comes to free agency. Um, But yeah, let's get into the quotes more because there there are some things that we definitely need to touch on because, you know, the rest of this is just fluff. We don't need to waste everybody's Mm -hmm. time on listening to this stuff.
0: All right. Uh, The first two quotes uh, that I wanted to mention, are you open to resigning with new Orleans? Oh yeah, for sure. There's something David already mentioned as far as free agency. What do you think the level of interest is with new Orleans on your side and on their side? He said, I know for a fact, my teammates want me back there. That's also something David mentioned, something that David didn't mention yet. He said, what's the ideal free agency destination for you. And Demarcus said somewhere I'd be appreciated and a contender, a team that's ready contend. To contend. And the reason that I mentioned this is because New Orleans wasn't the first name out of his mouth, meaning that he's open to any and all respective teams who just show him appreciation. We know that this is a guy who values loyalty above all else. And the last quote before I turn it over to David Grubb, the one that was most interesting to me out of all of them. The question was, what do current Pelicans teammates, Anthony Davis and Rondo say about your impending free agency? And Rondo will be a free agent too. And the first words out of his mouth were, we haven't talked. What does that say to you, David?
3: Well, it's it's very different again and it's something Ali and I have talked about before with you is just about how different the approach has been to what happened with Drew Holiday where, you know, before the season ended, the the clamor had already gone up from the the, the team that they were going to re- resign Drew no, no matter what. Um, you know, clearly this is a different situation with 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 DeMarcus's injury, but I think it also exposes the fact and I don't think this is something that people need to be particularly concerned about, but it exposes the fact that these players are not as as friends as much friends as we think they are in a lot of cases. And that's not to, to downplay the relationship that Anthony and DeMarcus have. But this is this as much business as it is friendship, and guys have to do what they have to do. So Anthony is has to represent Anthony's interest, and DeMarcus has to represent DeMarcus's <clears throat> interest. And some pl- in some places, those two will converge, but there are also places where they don't. So I'm not as surprised that they haven't talked, because I think the position of the organization is different. It's not as we're 100% all in on getting DeMarcus as it was for Drew. Um, and maybe not even as much as it is for Rondo as based on the comments that we've heard from the organization, so yeah, while it's interesting, of course, and you do need to kind of read between the lines when he says that they haven't spoken at the same time, it's not as surprising as as folks who have been paying attention might think,
0: all right, Ollie, let's continue with that line of thinking, and then we're going to talk about some of the 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 new technology being utilized in his rehab, but first of all, what are your comments on that, and how significant do you think it is?
2: Yeah, I think it's actually a little bit telling because NBA players, they talk all the time, especially amongst teammates and friends. And the fact that DeMarcus is saying they haven't broached the subject. And then if you go back to the end of the uh, season at at the uh, last playoff presser by Anthony Davis, where he said he hasn't given it much thought at all that he's going to talk about it, you know, during the offseason that now is the time for downtime and reflecting on the end of the season. I think everybody's been dodging the question, and I think that's kind of big simply because, in my mind, I think everybody knows the answer. Everybody knows what's going on here. DeMarcus is not going to get his maximum deal from the Pelicans or probably anything really that close to it, which would be five years, $175 million. Therefore, Therefore, if, if he's not going to get it, the players aren't going to say, well— you know that's the truth, and they're going to tell everybody about it. So they're just going to simply dodge a question and say we haven't really touched on the subject yet. So it all kind of makes sense. But again, I think you know that 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 Demarcus, I don't know. The easiest <laughs> way to put this, Preston, is those comments that he's uh, mentioned. For instance, no con- or the lack of contact with the uh, front office, no Rondo, no AD. Some of this is typical agent speak. You don't want to seem like you're too close. And that's why when he was asked, do you want to come back to New Orleans? He was like, sure. But then in the very next breath, he's talking about, well, I want to go somewhere where I'm appreciated and uh, where I can play for a contender. Now, obviously, we know that the Pelicans are a contender. They got to the second round, uh, put up a decent fight against the Warriors, and, and had they had a few more pieces, possibly could have upset that team so that's not the issue the issue is this appreciation part and I think by him saying that it's clear as day that he doesn't feel he's appreciated by New Orleans and and all that means is he's not getting that 30.3 million guaranteed to him next season or anywhere close to it so again this is just you know the tactics before getting to the negotiating table and uh, really these comments aren't surprising but I'm trying to remember the one that really caught me by surprise. I, and I don't think you mentioned it yet. Uh, I'm, I'm scanning through the article, but we can move on. And I'll bring it up once I find it.
0: Let me just continue that line. No, of thought. I, I, before, yeah. Before you just,
3: yeah. I just wanted to say on the, on the, the, the part about being um, respected, I think that goes back to the, the hashtag that DeMarcus has been using a lot, the hashtag loyalty. Um, again, I think it is kind of personal to him. And you brought that up at the beginning, talking about his um, experience with Sacramento and then it, it, it coming down to new Orleans and again, being in the position where the franchise basically has your fate in their hands and you don't have as much power as you thought. Um, and maybe he feels slightly that, you know, the other guy should be speaking up for him. Um, if that's the case, that's that, that's cert- he's certainly within his, his right to feel that way. I just think that ultimately, you know, he has to, he, I, I think he understands. And again, this is all posturing for PR basis. And clearly he and Mark Spears have had a relationship because Spears had been down in new Orleans a couple of other times to do stories on DeMarcus so they um, he found somebody that he trusted. And and this is a piece to kind of make sure for the rest of the league and the people who don't know Boogie, since he's been in small markets most of his career, that it is kind of a, a rehabilitation piece, not only on his body, but also just on his image as a whole. And, I, I, you know, that's that's some more of the reading in between the lines that that's being done,
0: too. Holly, did you find that quote you were looking for? I'm still looking. All right, let me continue uh with with David. And and I want to touch on something because a, a lot of the conversation out there about Boogie is is like Joshua asked are the Pelicans going to lowball Boogie and kind of this sense that maybe the players don't like him enough for Max or maybe he's not going to return from his Achilles, but another thing that the Pelicans are tight against the cap and this is something that you had an excellent article uh I want to say on on Oopsrumors.com, I can't remember specifically what it was, but you did a great job of just detailing what kind of cap jail the Pelicans are in. Specifically, they were trying to negotiate out of that team or player option for Nikola Meretic whenever he was traded. Since it was picked up, that $12.5 million, the Pelicans s- simply don't have the money to offer DeMarcus Cousins a max offer without uh, offsetting the salary somewhere else. So how much of this is just... Uh, the precariousness of DeMarcus Cousins' injury, and how much of it is that the Pelicans simply can't afford to pay him this money. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about years of decisions that have led, a, led
3: up to this point, making it a lot more difficult to sign um, DeMarcus, even if he had been completely healthy. Um you know, you still would have had to fill out the roster with fringe guys. And a lot of that goes to, you know, overpaying for guys like Solomon Hill, or um, of course some of the other contracts that have been taken on during Dell Demp's tenure. So yeah, that became more difficult. And now that you're faced with the prospect of the injury and the fact that the Pelicans are really pushing up against the cap and have, you know, only really seven um, players under contract that with guaranteed salaries, they have a lot to do and it's not really about lowballing DeMarcus at all. They're not trying to, to insult him with any deal that they offer, but it's all about what can we afford? What can we reasonably expect from you in the future? And and then how much else do we have to pay for? And so all those variables change the minute that DeMarcus went to the ground. Um, and the Pelicans have to evaluate that. And, and for DeMarcus, it's simple. He's betting on himself. And I understand that when you're an individual <laughs> talent, You're standing out there and saying, hey, I know what I am and I know what I can be. But the Pelicans don't have that luxury. They don't have a crystal ball. And with the money being as tight as it is, and we've talked about this before, do you go into the luxury tax on a team that you still feel, and the organization very clearly stated that, that they feel that they're short of being a championship contender, do you go all in on that with one guy who you're betting, who you'd still be betting on to come back and be most of what he was? do you do that and maybe cripple your team in the long term when you really only have two years to make your impression on Anthony Davis, that you are building a championship team. It's a very hard place to be in. And it's like, instead of a rock and a hard place, it's just a hard place and a hard place for the Pelicans. There is at least the rock could be worn down over time. These are just two hard places for the Pelicans to be. And they don't really, um, you know, these are very difficult decisions. They're going to have to make. And DeMarcus is in one way or another, whether he loses money on the deal to stay in New Orleans or he's ultimately moved, he's going to lose out in this. That's, that's just the fact, the the fact of the matter. He's going to lose in one way or another.
2: Ready, Ali? Yeah. Yeah. The quote I wanted to talk about was when Mark Spears asked him, are you open to resigning with New Orleans if the deal is right? And in that response, he included, I'm not out here trying to hold a grudge or anything like that. The fact that he mentioned that just kind of, I, I raised my eyes simply because what is he telling us? If there's like two competitive offers, is he simply going to go ahead and leave uh, and take the other one and leave New Orleans um, simply because for whatever reason, but the fact he's already talking about not holding a grudge. I don't know. I just found it curious for him to mention that line. And of course, throughout, you know, the interview he had mentioned going to make the best decision for himself so that's expected but then they go ahead and like i said i'm not out here trying to hold a grudge i don't know that one just caught my me by surprise more than any of the other ones really so i just wanted to bring that out to people that you know again it kind of goes back to me for look at the player we're dealing with he's a temperamental guy who's it's not an it's not a bad thing again remember we loved especially dave and i talked about it all all year it's great to have that fire that that leader Ship quality in the locker room between he and Rondo because this team didn't have it in seasons before. so the fact that he has that that edge to him, let's say that's a great thing but then when it comes to negotiating time, it may work against him and maybe the pelicans and I just wanted to bring that up.
0: Uh, let me mention something from David Grubb's article on hoopsrumors.com. There are eight Pelicans. Preston, Preston.
2: Oh. By the way, that's that wasn't David's article. We, we're yeah, I yeah. Oh, yeah, I
0: didn't write that. Oh, he just posted I don't it? want to take it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write, just posted oh, it. Yeah. man. I sound like an idiot. Props to Luke Adams. That's it's okay. right in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, okay. retweeted. Well, uh, Luke. Uh, it, is it that you your surname I don't want him coming after me. me. <laughs> All right. Well, there's eight Pelicans under contract, regardless of who wrote the article, at 92.3 mm-hmm. million. Uh, the the line is probably somewhere around 120 so even if they signed uh, DeMarcus to 30 million that puts them into the tax so no wiggle room at all and that's before they uh, you know guarantee the contracts of players like Emeka Okafor, Darius Miller, DeAndre L- Liggins and uh, Cech Diallo among others uh, and then they've got to bring back guys like you know Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, Jordan Crawford before we get into that and the Pelicans impending decision on Rajon Rondo let's just mention uh, some of the some of the rehab that Demarcus Cousins is going through, he's telling us uh, that he hasn't lost any size in his la- in his leg, which is a really positive sign. S- uh, some direct quotes. He said, I don't even know the word for it. It's some type of training, and it's called BFR. It's new technology that stands for blood flow restriction. It's basically where they put cuffs on your legs and on your arms, yada, yada. Anyway, all that new blood, it helps promote healing at a rapid pace. That's another form of training that I've been doing, and that's yet another reason I've been healing and progressing at such a rapid pace. The reason he brings this, David, is because the names and the numbers are telling. Of course, you've got 32-year-old Dominique Wilkins, who came back after 92 and played well. But after that, uh, you know, you've got Wes Matthews and Rudy Gay who have been somewhere around their numbers, but haven't been spectacular and didn't get close to near their all-star level performances. And yet they are, you know, in their early 30s. So there was some natural decline bound to happen anyway. And then you've got guys like Patrick Ewing, Elgin Baylor, Anderson Varejao, Mehmed Okur, Elton Brand, guys who were never quite the same again. And uh seemingly after these injuries couldn't play basketball on an effective level and were soon thereafter after the league. So with all this said, Demarcus is only, I think, 28. And this all sounds sorry, 27. And this 27. all sounds. Go ahead,
2: Ollie. No, no, I just wanted to correct you. It's 27. 27. Not sound short. It.
0: All right, David. Uh, now, what do you <laughs> think is the possibility of him coming back and being a, a similar version of himself?
3: I mean, similar, sure. I mean, but again, um, you know, I think you probably get first year is going to be less than the second year. And so you're playing really for two years. The first year he's going to be working his way back into shape. And, you know, like Rudy Gay and other guys have said, it's usually that period of the second year is when you start to feel more of yourself. Um, You know, this was a complete rupture. So, you know, hopefully that's better news than, than having the slight tear and having to rehab around it. Um, I think you get, you get a a facsimile of the Marcus the first year. And is that enough? You know, is that enough for this team to move up from six to three (laughs) In the West, I don't know um, based on whether or not he's going to accept a new role, because if you're not getting 100 percent of the old DeMarcus, you can't expect him to do 100 percent of old DeMarcus things. There has to be a different role. Um, and and that becomes the biggest question mark. I don't think you get the same player back in year one, especially. And I don't think you really see him if, if he does get close to 100 percent. It won't be till the middle part of, of year two and at the earliest. That's what I think.
0: Ali, I, I want to bring up the playoffs uh, for, for a reason, just re- in regards to centers in today's modern NBA, uh, obviously against the Rockets, we saw Rudy Gobert seemingly played off the floor, and we're seeing less and less centers at a high profile top level, making that uh, realm of money since the 2016 uh, CBA agreement that saw so many people like Bismarck, Biambo, and Hassan Whiteside seemingly being overpaid at this point, even should Boogie be as effective as he was last season. Do you think he can, like, generate these playoff minutes that Rudy Gobert seemingly can't stay on the floor for?
2: Yeah, I do, because the name of the game today is scoring, and DeMarcus Cousins is one of the best scorers in the league. Uh, so despite all his deficiencies with his mobility and, of course, defensively, uh, the fact that he can throw up the points, I think I think that's what matters the most. And so, yeah, Rudy Gobert, he, he's pretty much just a roller to the rim. He doesn't even have... A, reputable jump shot to rely on or anything like that that's where cousins can stretch a defense out to the three-point line he can facilitate an offense uh we saw that where he averaged over five assists on the season so demarcus in that respect is fine pressing you can't look at him as a typical big man you've just got to look at what his skill set is and that's what nba players today are usually going to be paid by is what they can do on the court and like i said points it's all about points and uh as we saw the pelicans were a very high scoring Team, despite playing at a slower pace, um, not that slow, mind you, but they were around, what, ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth, something like that in pace when DeMarcus was healthy. So they were still throwing up that 110, 112 points a night on average. And so he'll be fine in that respect. Now, it all revolves around the health of his Achilles, pressing and coming back. Uh, Even Rudy Gay took kind of a sizable pay cut uh, to go with the Spurs to where I think he signed for around 16, 17 million and only averaged about 8 million per and this is a pretty significant drop considering just a couple of years ago, he was making almost like 20 million, I think with the King. So that's what you kind of have to look at. And that's what DeMarcus Cousins is obviously facing right now is that any team that takes him on obviously knows that next season is going to be kind of a wash. And from the Pelican standpoint, they don't want to go through that. They don't want to pay and hit the luxury tax for a guy that's going to be averaging, say around 20 minutes a game off the bench. And honestly, I think that is a best case scenario. Because Rudy Gay, he came back a little bit quicker than most expected, was able to play throughout the entire season. Yet San Antonio had him playing right there around 20, 21, 22 minutes a game. And so you've got to think if he's the best-case scenario, then that's what DeMarcus would be playing next season at the most for the Pelicans. And again, is that enough to want to pay a player, say, $20 million, tie up the rest of your salary cap, and um, basically build towards the future? When even Del Demps hinted, we're trying to build towards a future in the season and presser. Is that building towards a future? I don't know.
0: I don't think it is. All right, David, everybody over the next six weeks is going to be debating between how much the Pelicans should pay Boogie, how much they're able to pay Boogie. And if Boogie should walk, if another team should step up to the plate and offer him the money that uh he seemingly would deserve uh, prior to January 26. Obviously we have no indication as to whether he will or will not be ready for training camp. And like Ali said, even 20 minutes a game might be uh, an optimistic uh, prognosis for his 2018, 19 season. So with that being said, should the Pelicans explore a sign and trade as MC Tooman asks uh, what, what would that entail? How much would the Pelicans have to take back in, t- in terms of matching salary?
3: So well, it depends on who your trade partner is. I mean, you know, whatever team is trying to take on DeMarcus obviously is going to have to give up a lot of salary as well. And so the Pelicans are going to want multiple players um, to, to get the most dollar uh, And a lot on who the partner is or partners. There may have to be a three team deal for it to work. Um, obviously that's something Dell Demps is exploring because you don't want to lose an asset for nothing. If you do decide you want to part ways with DeMarcus, the best option for both parties Uh, for DeMarcus to get the most money out of the deal probably is to do a sign and trade. So there's still some leverage on the Pelicans with that side. I think it's, 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 it's probably option. Number one is let's work out an equitable sign and trade would be the the best thing for both sides. Option. Number two is that you get a fully fledged, you know, healthy DeMarcus, but that's the farthest thing from reality um, based on, you know, just, the past and medical knowledge that we do have is that getting a hundred percent to markets this year is basically impossible. So I think sign a trade is the most viable option. Um, And the teams that you're looking at, the teams that we've talked about, whether it's Washington or Milwaukee or Dallas, whatever, don't have a ton of great assets that the Pelicans can use to get off their books. So you're looking to either take back a starter who costs basically what DeMarcus costs or two players who can contribute and cost basically what DeMarcus costs. And still, you'll be over the cap. There's no way for the Pelicans to really get under the cap unless they give away um, other players and they don't have a lot of great tradable assets, as we've discussed. So they're going to take on salary no matter what, but it's just who are you going to take a guy you're betting on to be healthy or a couple of guys you believe will be um, solid contributors, contributors to you from, from game one.
0: Ali, like David just mentioned, all of these teams don't have a lot of space uh, other than Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Lakers, who are looking to take a deep dive into free agency this year. Dallas also with a top five pick, so they're looking to uh, rearm themselves rather quickly. But in regards to Washington and Milwaukee, uh, two suitors who se- who seemingly are a good fit, the Pelicans are going to have to take back a lot of salary to match DeMarcus Cousins because these teams don't have any space themselves. Uh, Washington I- and Milwaukee are both high into the luxury tax at this point, point and they're going to have to offload a salary somewhere as well. Obviously the popular ones are Chris Middleton and John Henson with Milwaukee, they would still have to send yet another contract somewhere whether it be Tony Snell or Matthew Dellavedova and Washington would have to offload something like Otto Porter plus some other salary filler somewhere else whether it's Jason Smith or something. Are you as the Pelicans general manager Dell Demps willing to put yourself into the tax for some version of these players? I think you are.
2: Preston, I think if they land, I'm sure they've got their eye on several players. They've got targets, obviously, if they are going to go down this route. And we all know that the biggest hole in this team for some time now has been at the small forward position. Having some size there, um, we saw what Kevin Durant did. More than anything, I think everybody wants to point to that Golden State Warriors series. But you know what? You're not going to slow down too much at Kevin Durant, regardless of who you put out there. Unless his name's got Kawhi Leonard on the back of the jersey. But if it doesn't have that. So what, what I think the Pelicans want is just to find somebody that brings certain aspects that really improves the team as a whole. And what I think they would love more than anything is if, if they can't get, say, an all-world player, which obviously looks pretty much impossible, say the Paul Georges or whoever, Kawhi Leonard, then you've got to go the next best route. And I, I, that for me means you've got to find some size, number one. But number two, that fits the system. And so I think – for a guy like Otto Porter, who can shoot the three, who can run the break, who's got a reach of over seven feet, I think it's like seven one, seven, two, somewhere in that neighborhood, I think they would love that return because, let's face it, I mean, one Moore did a heck of a job, but before him, you know, you had Solomon Hill, who was just mainly a defender. It's just really not been a source of strength. It's usually been one of weakness. So to suddenly plug that hole with, say, Otto Porter, you add that to a team from last season, where Drew Holiday made immense strides, where Anthony Davis was all-world NBA uh, AD, and then you've got Rajon Ronda, who seemed to be a really good fit with offensive pieces around him, I feel like Otto Porter would make a lot of sense, and that it would be a player they would obviously go into the tax for.
0: David, is there an ideal trade partner out there that you would consider going into the tax for?
3: I mean, you know, outside of uh, Washington and and Milwaukee, I think those are the two best options um as far as the players that you could possibly get back. I you know, again, with Milwaukee we talked about Chris Middleton, who I think would just be an excellent, you know, wing defender to have and can play multiple positions, gives you outstanding versatility, has a reasonable deal and could get you a second um or even two players um additionally um based on the numbers that his contract has. Um, and the and the reserves that they have. So I think those are the probably the two most ideal um partners, but they know that too. And that's the thing. Everybody knows what everybody the cards that pretty much everybody else is playing with. And it's it's a one big game of you know, who can of chicken and who can make the best deal and and in and, and a bit of lying too. I mean, you know, people are just telling each other what they have to hear to, to, to get put their teams in the right spot. So how good are Dell's relationships? Obviously, somebody who's consistently worked the phones, who understands the cap um and and what those partners may want but again a lot of these places are dealing with new coaches new general managers and then of course the draft is going to change mm-hmm. a lot of everything so i just expect the pelicans to be really patient for a while um, they know what they have in hand they know what other teams can and can't do with their players um, and i i don't think they'll be in in this absolute rush they want to i think they'll let the market set itself and maybe teams emerge that we haven't thought of um as as he works uh you know works this thing um, once the off-
2: Yeah, one thing I want to mention in addition to all that is uh, the teams you want to look at are the ones that have very little flexibility in the upcoming offseason. So that's why I think Washington and Milwaukee gets mentioned the most. Not only do they have attractive trade assets, they simply are kind of in the bottom tier of the Eastern Conference playoff race. And yet they won't be able to bring in any really good additional uh, free agents simply because they're already over the cap. Although they'll have uh, the privilege to use is the exception of, of their exceptions. And of course, Washington is already already at that luxury tax line. So they they, pay, they paid the tax last season. If they go into this season, they're going to be a repeating team. It, it, the costs are just going to keep going higher and higher. And it's hard to justify that to a fan base when you're usually a first round or maybe a second round exit, that your core isn't good enough. So I think that's what Dell Dems, that's what the Pelicans will be banking on are going to be banking on a team that is kind of desperate to also make a move because they have to get better. And the only way they can really do it is through uh, some kind of trade. Um, and I just want to throw out there, there are some other teams you can honestly take a look at. Maybe Toronto is a name that emerges simply because, wow, they had a heck of a regular season. But boy, oh boy, did they drop the ball against the Cleveland Cavaliers huh, in the playoffs. Um, and I'm sure there will be some other teams that may want to step up to the plate. One I want to dismiss right now is the Miami Heat. I've heard some of this Whiteside uh, Demar- uh, Hassan Whiteside talk. <laughs> I do not see either general manager going for that. That's where Del Demps brings Hassan on. And, of course, Pat Riley go- goes ahead and takes a chance on DeMarcus Cousins. It just doesn't seem like the right fit because that's not the style or uh, the attitudes that these two general managers look for in players.
0: David, we' got a question from CB in the event that boogie just leaves in free agency, who are some players the pelicans could target with the leftover cap space? Obviously, the pelicans are right at that threshold. Explain to him why the Pelicans, if they do want to acquire outside talent, should boogie walk, why it can only happen through trade.
3: Yeah, because um, you know the, Sel- the pelicans are basically about five million dollars away, you know, from the cap. Um, of about 100 million 101 um, depending on what the league's final numbers are so let's say you, we know that rondo is their their priority um and so they'll probably use uh the mle on him mid-level exception um which is another eight million or so dollars if he takes the whole thing um, about 8.8 8, ali am i right 8.8 8.4 8.8
2: 8. 8. 8 is supposed to be
3: um, so, so if Rondo takes all of that, you're still already over the cap and you can only keep going over the cap to resign your, your own free agents. So that means that the Pelicans are put in a position where they'd have to trade off players to get players back, except for their rookies that they have to sign, um, you know, through the draft, which is a, obviously 51 is a, a pretty low pick. So you, you're talking about guys, um, you know, you look at your, your possible trade options and that's each one more Solomon Hill, um, Nicola Meretich, you know Darius Miller, Nicola Meretich, but again, and Meretich obviously is is a player that they don't want to trade unless there's an amazing deal on the table. Um, but you can't you can't bring in anybody else. There, there are no name free agents that you're looking at in your price range. You're, you're talking about guys who are taking either your biannual exemption or you know taking veterans' minimums. And that's not going to be anybody who's going to move the needle for this team. You're looking for starters to get back um, one way or another. Either you're trying to bring a starter back in Cousins or you're trying to trade for a starter um, in a deal. And uh, they just they just can't do that with the cap space available.
0: Let's uh, move into a question from Alexander Lee. Uh, Grubb gave us uh... – a nice uh, transition there. And the question is obviously, Adele Dempsen, Alvin Gentry referred to Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis both as cornerstones. And David just mentioned pretty much everybody else on the Pelicans roster is up for grabs should they get the right return. Alexander's question is Is Drew really untouchable? Let's say Washington called and offered John Wall or Portland with CJ McCollum. I think that he is untouchable at this point. What say you, Ollie?
2: I'm with you, Preston. I think that he was close to untouchable almost for the Pelicans. um, I don't want to say as soon as he signed the contract, but once he started playing well, once he started uh, emerging out of his shell, so to speak, offensively, he was always a great defender. They always knew that they wanted him for defensive purposes alone because of his ability, of course, to shut down pretty much any legitimate matchup he faced. But once his uh, offensive game uh flourished this season yeah i think that's about the time when the De- uh del dem said no uh, we're not going to trade him even for john wall simply because his best fit obviously is at the sh- shooting guard and uh, john wall would be coming in a point guard and suddenly pelicans not only have to reconfigure everything i mean you're not going to bring back rajon rondo you suddenly got a hole at shooting guard and then of course john wall's got kind of a history with uh his kind of bad knees as well. You know, he's got more of an injury history, I would say, that you have to be concerned about than, say, a Drew Holiday. So, yeah, Preston, to me, it's clear as day that I think Drew Holiday is an untouchable player at this point. They've got two of the best, I think, let's say I called it on Eric Asher's show this past week, two of the top 25 players in the league. And so you're not going to move either one, um, even if it's just maybe for a slightly better name, if you think it's a slight improvement, simply because of the continuity that's been built. The pieces really fit, and as Del Demps mentioned, he made a good point of it, and I'm glad he did, chemistry. You don't want to disturb this chemistry because, let's face it, this team went on a heck of a run to the end of the season, so you want to kind of carry that over into the next season.
0: All right, David, let's continue and talk about Anthony Davis, obviously the 14th player to qualify in the top three for both MVP and defensive player of the year, uh, an incredible accomplishment for this young man, given all the adversity that he faced this season, but it's certainly something we all expected. With that being said, talk about the the effect, uh, you know, in, in terms of free agency, what Anthony Davis uh, now on this platform can do as far as recruiting other people. And with this being said, Anthony Davis is not expected to win either award. So is the MVP purely just an offensive award at this point? No, I don't think it is. I think it's
3: political. I mean, it takes time. You know, I mean, we've seen throughout the history of the NBA that it's it's about the moment. It's about the story. Um it's not just offense. It's it's it, it's about guys being at the right place at the right time historically. Um, You know, this is a league where Shaquille O'Neal has one MVP in there. You know, there have been many articles written about the legitimacy of that and why he only has one. But to the casual observer, you'd say Shaquille O'Neal only has one MVP. And it would be a very strange thing. Same with a guy like Kobe Bryant or, um, you know, other players who have none. Uh, So for Anthony Davis at this stage in his career to not have one isn't a crime. um, I don't think considering the team success. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, he's. Worthy of that position, he's worthy to have been an MVP, um, based on what this this season was like. But I mean, when you most of your seasons in below 500, it's hard to make a legitimate case. Um, he's in that place, I think, in the, amongst players in the league. Everyone knows how talented he is. Amongst general managers, everyone knows how talented he is. Amongst people who are hardcore NBA NBA observers and fans, they know how talented Anthony Davis is. I think we were just now starting to see him move into the popular culture in a different way to where people who don't know who Anthony Davis is are becoming aware of just how talented he is. Do I think that helps in, in recruitment? It doesn't when you don't have any room. Um, it may help uh, you know, people as trade partners say, yeah, I'd want to play with Anthony Davis. He's the kind of player I want to be around. But when you don't have a lot of cap room, it's not going to make guys say, I'm taking a big, huge pay cut to go play with Anthony Davis so I can get him an MVP. That's not going to change anything. Um, but I do think that among players, he's certainly one of the most respected and most um, liked among players in the league. There doesn't seem to be a a,
0: a a group of people who have anything negative to say about Anthony at this stage. Ali, Chris Paul in 2008 had 22 points, 12 assists, and only two and a half turnovers uh, to go along with pretty stellar defense in, in the backcourt. Would you say that Anthony Davis just had the best season in Pelicans uh, slash Hornets history?
2: Hmm. I remember the season really well. And Chris Paul was an actual point guard who had his athleticism back then. I remember him throwing down dunks and all sorts of things back then. So that, you know, I I, I, I guess I'll be in agreement with that, Preston, because AD brings more to the table when you look at both sides of the ball. And I think that's why and I want to talk about a little bit about is Anthony Davis, I think, is deserving of the defensive player of the league award. Um, Not only for his offensive exploits, as you just mentioned, and compared him to Chris Paul, who obviously was definitely by far, without a doubt, the greatest uh, player in uh, Hornets franchise history. But AD, I think, may have surpassed it simply because of his ability on the defensive end. And you know what? Everybody talks about Rudy Gobert, and uh, even Joel Embiid's gotten some praise as well. But I don't think there's a single player in this league that can do what Anthony Davis does both at the rim and then come out on the perimeter. As we saw in that uh, playoff series, whether you want to pick Portland or Golden State, AD's ability to switch on guards on a perimeter and basically, you know, force them to make a pass or shoot a terrible shot. I mean, it's a given. Damian Lillard couldn't get around AD to save his life. And when he did, he thought he had some space. AD was there to block it with his peridactyl reach of his arms. So, you know. I think Anthony Davis. Yeah. Preston. I mean, that, that, that's a good debate, but you've you got to hand it to him. If you look at his whole body of work and, th- and that's what I'm doing. And that's why I think, honestly, maybe we should talk about it, a little bit about it, but he's deserving that
0: defensive player of the year award this season. All right, Grub. this one's from Solomon. It says, do you think the organization consults Anthony Davis about boogies free agency? Um, You
3: know, I think the organization keeps, you know, conversations with him and I think, um, The same that they've done. I don't think this is a new conversation. Like it all of a sudden became the status is let, let's talk to Anthony now about our situation with DeMarcus. I think this started and has been an ongoing conversation. you know, as it is with your star player um, in any organization. Hmm. I think they talk to Anthony regularly. Um, and I think the players talk to management. I think they go to management and, and voice their concerns. It doesn't seem like Dell or um, Alvin are the kinds of guys who don't uh, keep an open communication with their players um, about, I, I, I think the people need to understand too, is that it's not something where they're asking, they're going to ask Anthony to sign off on this, whether it ends up being DeMarcus returning or going. Yes. Of course they want him to be on board with those, but ultimately Dell's job is to make the best choice for the franchise. And Anthony is a part of that. So we have two different considerations going on. What Anthony may want, and he may want DeMarcus, he may not. I don't know. I'm not Anthony Davis. I haven't spoken directly to him about this. But Dell's job is different from Anthony's job. And we have to understand that. People need to keep that in mind, that Dell is looking at, I have to do what's best for the franchise, both in the short term while I'm here, and I'm also a steward of the franchise for years going forward. Um, I work in partnership with the owner. That's a big difference than being an employee in the sense of, of what the players are. Uh, so I think, yes, they'll, they'll continue to, to make contact with Anthony, but it's not his decision to make. And it's not going to be on him if it doesn't go the way fans want it. I don't think the, the, the franchise would ever put him in a position to say, well, Anthony said or Anthony didn't want it, or Anthony wanted and we couldn't.
0: So we had to do this. It'll never be that way. But certainly he'll be in the loop. Ali, let me follow up on that. If Dell Demps went to Anthony Davis and said, do you want Boogie back? And Anthony Davis said, yes, without a doubt, bring him back. Do you think there's any debate as to what would happen?
2: No, I think honestly they would uh, not only just take it up, his words under advisement, but if he's that strong in his position, then I think they would definitely try and make it work. But at the same time, I'm sure that they would maybe try and offer, you know, other scenarios another potential avenues for the team to go in. But if he's that adamant, no, Preston. I think, honestly, you have to assume that the front office would try and make it work. All right, Rob. Uh, Cousins I, will be... I let me just, I
3: just yeah. wanted to say this real quick. I don't think the question would ever be presented to him that
2: way. Exactly. Good point. Yeah, good point.
3: It would never be, do you want DeMarcus back? It would always be, here's what we're trying to do that's best for the team. And like always like said, here's option one, option two, option three, because they're not going to come to him with nothing and say it's either this or that. It's going to be, these are the things that we can do. Um, This is what's on the table. Here's what, you know, and and again, I don't think they'll go, you can't go in a full detail on what DeMarcus is asking for. That's not fair to DeMarcus to put that in front of Anthony. But Mm -hmm. I think there will be some shading of scenarios and saying, here's what, what we have and here's what we're thinking. We'd like your feedback. That doesn't mean that Anthony ultimately has the final say, but he'll be aware of what's going on. That's my opinion.
0: All right, Ollie, Cousins will be back. Ask, what is your ideal offseason? And I'll just do mine quickly uh so that you guys have a have a second to to come up with something. I say bring back Boogie at a one and one uh for 50, giving him a slight discount, 25 million per year. And then obviously you have to count on Frank Jackson, Check Diallo progressing, uh maybe trade Etuan more for a wing def- uh defender somewhere like a Jonathan Simmons offload Alexis Agensa, maybe for that first 51st first overall pick if you can. Uh, Rajan Rondo somewhere below the MLE like two years 12 that puts you I think at like 115 116 and then you can bring back Darius Miller uh, potentially a Mecca Okafor he would bring you to 120 or if you don't choose to bring back a Mecca then you've got uh, four or at, at least uh, I guess the biannual left to try to negotiate with somebody like a Mario Hazonia or Rodney Hood should they want another prove it opportunity Rodney Hood obviously disappointing in the playoffs right now that's the best I can come up with what about you Ollie? Yeah, thanks for just laying this gigantic question on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's
2: let's talk about the wish list. And I think the Pelicans need three things. And number one, of course, is a larger uh, scoring, multifaceted, hopefully a two-way player wing at the three. So that's number one. Number two, they need to get another banger down low, somebody that can come in and get the rebounds for you. And, um, you know, a lot of the power forward or maybe spend some time at the center. And then number three, they need a backup point guard. Uh, Rajon Rondo, you know, he, he he was relatively healthy. We'll give him that. He had that core injury at the start of the season, but largely he went through the rest of the season unscathed. But you know what? You kind of saw the Knicks there where he, he was hurting a little bit. I would gotten wind where he was dealing with a little bit of tendinitis in his Achilles. He had some ankle sprains. Uh, he had a wrist that bothered him. So you, you kind of need to have a backup, although Drew Holiday is very good. Let, let's mind you. He can play both positions. The team is better off when Drew's at the two. So. Those are the three positions. And as you mentioned, now, as for the players, um, you know, I just have a difficult time thinking that the future is with DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, I love the guy. I, like, I feel like there's a chance for that do it big to be special, really special, be different enough to where they could make a difference. But I'm just not certain DeMarcus Cousins would make it work 100% of the time. We saw too many instances of him taking plays off uh, where it was more about him on the court. Than it was the Pelicans, and and that's just a problem. You just can't have that at all. And uh, so I think you've got to hopefully get him, you know, agree to a sign and trade, and then you're going to find a lot of your help that you need in that trade. Um, also, I think the Pelicans have to dangle each one more. He's a great player, but he's on a great contract with two years left. And um, if if you do, if the Pelicans do land that starting small forward. He's going to be moved to a bench role, a six-man role, and he, he's going to have a lesser role. Now, granted, it'll still be a very important one, but he, you won't have as much need because you'll have Miritich coming off the bench. The team's expecting things out of Frank Jackson. Of course, you can you can find people with uh, your exceptions in free agency. So I don't think each one more is that much of a necessity, although he'd be great to have back. But you got to dangle somebody, and I just don't believe the team will be able to move Solomon Hill. So um, – Let me see, what else am I missing? Yeah, you hoping that Alexia Jensa gets moved maybe for some kind of small second round pick or maybe we can even send one out just to get his five point whatever million off the books just to create that additional cap space that the Pelicans are going to need. They're going to need to go through a similar offseason they did last season. Once they knew Drew Holiday was coming back, they had to cut some serious corners. You know, that's why Dante Cunningham was held out for so long. Because he had wanted more money, he even de- declined his player option. But then he was brought back on an even lesser deal, simply because the Falcons obviously didn't have any more money to give out. Um, and we saw that with the way they uh, had to let uh, was it Jordan Crawford go early in the season, had to uh, then instead bring in uh, Jameer Nelson. So, yeah, I'm expecting that kind of off season press, and so they they're, they're going to need to you know they're going to need to move some of this salary that they're not expecting to get much out of for next season off the
0: books, one way or another. All right, I put Ali on the spot. Are you ready, David?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the biggest thing is going to be clearing up that that additional cap space to get deeper. Um, that's the 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 uh, position that Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry took at their end-of-season press conference, and I agree with them absolutely. They need contributors on the bench, and they need a starter um, at the small forward position. That, to me, if they can go into the offseason, grab a, a good... Small forward um, and bring in, you know, like I said, an active rebounder, um, a guy who can defend in the post, especially to give AD those minutes, uh, you know, to, to, to sit down. But he has to be somebody who can move and is still versatile, can run the pick and roll, um, you know, not a great skill set, but somebody who can do two things really well. Um, and then you're looking for another kind of tweener, somebody who can play two or three positions, you know, as a guard or a forward um, and that requires moving, you know, each one more requires possibly moving. uh, you know, you need that Alexi agents, contract to just go away somehow one way or another, either he needs to retire and be in and get that salary, you know, taken care of by the league or whatever. Um, but he just has to come off the books. He has, he's no part of the team's future plans. If they can do those three things, get a wing, get some, um, uh, help on the bench, then I'd be happy. And I, I think the Pelicans are still in a good position like they were last year in a lot of ways that they can kind of, because the league is so set up that the good teams don't have a ton of cap space. There will be quality ve- veterans who have to wait a, a long time to find a spot. And a lot of those teams are going, a lot of those players are going to be looking for, especially ones who are at the position where they want to win. And those the teams at the top are set at theirs with their starting lineups. They're going to be looking for, a, you know, secondary destinations and i think the pelicans have primed themselves as a as a one of the best of the secondary destinations and that's not a slight to the pelicans at all because they're not golden state yet they're not houston yet they're not wherever lebron decides to go yet so to be uh, in that elite of that second group i think gives them a good position with a number of either free agents or you know um possible lower in you know not lower in but not your your not those um Top shelf free agent, um, you know acquisitions. I think the Pelicans are in a in a good place to be in. Not a great place, but they don't need a whole bunch. But the things that they need, they need really badly.
0: Ollie, it's not going to get any easier for the Pelicans next year. Uh, the lottery results came in four Western Conference teams with the top five picks. Of course, you've got Phoenix, who can either draft Don- Donchich Doncic or trade it potentially for Kawhi Leonard or Kyrie Irving. Who knows what they're going to do with it? Sacramento, you they can pair somebody with De'Aaron Fox. Memphis can add to Mike Conley and Powell uh, or sorry, excuse me, Sol And then Dallas, of course, is going to add to Dennis Smith, Harrison Barnes, and the uh, Atlanta Hawks being the only East team with the top five picks. Uh, Is the West going to be better next year?
2: I think so. I think you absolutely have to look at the Lakers who had a young core that emerged, uh, played some really good ball, had a lot of good upsets. So if that core just adds one premium free agent, let alone two, you've got to consider them jumping right into that playoff fray. I like how you brought up Memphis because you're right. I think Mark Gasol and Mike Conley have proven over the years when they're healthy that really you can throw almost anything around them. They should be considered a playoff contender. Now, as for the rest, you know, Phoenix, uh, you know, I'm not buying them making any strides. They're so far away still. Same thing with the Kings. But, you know, you've got to expect Denver to be right there again as well. So, yeah, Preston, I think to, to your question overall, the West is going to be stronger. And once again, it's going to come down really to health. Health and how your team can sustain uh, those moments of where you lose certain key players. So depth is going to be very important. And I'm glad David mentioned made a point of that in that free agent discussion we just had, that it's going to be key for the Pelicans. They're going to need to add some reliable pieces because Alvin Gentry all too often was forced to play, you know, just the starting five, the the top maybe six players on the team, all the minutes coming down the stretch, not just the playoffs, but down the stretch just to make the postseason. And that's just not going to fly over an 82-game schedule.
0: All right, last question, David. Any word? Uh, This is uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this. I'm going to murder it. Let's say it's Pawel Kajak. I have no idea. I'm so sorry to you, sir. If you want to phonetically spell that out for me, I promise I'll do better next time. Let's talk about the Pensacola G League team. David, any word?
3: Well, you know, the organization is obviously said they're postponing it for a year. They they just couldn't reach a deal on the location. Um, You know, Pensacola doesn't seem to be really enthused about having the team. I don't think any local uh, municipalities right now want to put up money to build anything. Um, for organizations to me and and i have discussed this many times to me, the best option for the G league team is to just have it out in Metairie um, at the facility. Um, You're never going to sell a whole bunch of tickets for G league basketball. Um, A lot of franchises have done their, their G league teams at their practice facilities. It's, it keeps your costs low. It keeps your players nearby. Um, They can practice with your big team. They, they, you know, they, they have the same facilities. They're right under your door. I think that's the best option to me um, for the Pelicans. Uh, but obviously they want to expand their footprint for, for the base. I get that. But to me, just to, from a basketball sense, having it um, in Metairie is the most logical thing for them to do, but I don't see them. you know, obviously they're not going to have a team for 2018, 19. So 2019 would be the earliest. Um, I think they still want to do that. That's, that's, that's something that they're focused on. But um, to me, it, the best thing is bring it into
2: the New Orleans metro area.
0: <clears throat> All right, Ali, did I miss anything?
2: No, I don't think so. It's just that you want to mention that Shreveport was emphatic with their city council. They they voted yeah. 6-0 that they didn't want to um, build a new arena and to house a new G League team. And, you know, Pensacola has had issues on and off in trying to bring anybody in, or excuse me, raise any money, excuse me, to uh, have this done. I think the Pelicans were looking to have – I think there's a minimum of about $2.5 million that needs to be spent in uh, refurbishing an arena. And over there, I think I've read their particular one would need about $10 million in renovations. But, again, nobody wants to pony up. So, Pelicans are kind of back to square one. But I think what you're going to look at now is I think they've got kind of backup plans. Um, and I'm assuming it's going to be here somewhere close, like David just alluded to. But I wouldn't rule out either Baton Rouge or St. Tammany because they were originally part of the six. So I could see either one of them getting back in, back into the game, basically, and the Pelicans kind of going that route. You know, just have the G League team be somewhere closer.
0: All right, you guys. That's all the time we have for now. Thank you to Ali, David Grub. Remember, if you guys like what you're hearing and you want more, the way to get it is simple. Retweet it. Share comment, ask questions, the more attention each pod gets this offseason, the more we're going to put out. So it's up to you. And if you do retweet it, we'll drop your name on the next pod and give you a, a special shout out. So thank you guys so much for listening in general, Ollie, we've got some roundtable questions that are up on the birdwrites.com right now. What else is on the docket?
2: Yeah, we're going to have a four more this for the, this upcoming week. And then we're also going to start touching on some player uh, reviews, um, getting in some free agent talk, um, you know, trade possibilities. You know, this is the fun part of the offseason where you get to dream and dream big. So we're going to kind of have a few good pieces and we're going to expect Kevin to put out a few because he's the guy, man. He's the man who loves to make all these weird trade scenarios and somehow they make sense. So we're looking forward to that as
0: well. Definitely. Unfortunately, he's busy right now on a West Coast road trip right now. So hope he's enjoying his vacation. David, what about you, sir? Anything you'd like to plug? I'll take that as a no. All right, you guys can follow him at <laughs> we'll see DM. how the summer Oh there he is. Sorry, yes. Grub, uh, start over. I oh, was just saying,
3: um, you know, just continuing to grind, be looking for all those possibilities, same thing, just fishing for things, hoping to get more information. But this is is definitely gonna be an interesting summer. So I'm gonna try to stay engaged as much as much as possible and folks will see me here and there. But of course, yeah,
0: follow me at DM Grub and um whatever I have, you'll hear about it. Sounds good man. Again, follow him at DM Grub. As he just mentioned, Crescent City Sports is his home base. Of course, we are at the At Ali Cosell is the editor-in-chief. I'm Preston Else. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, retweet, share, subscribe and we'll be coming back to you guys all off-season. Let's go, pals. We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Bird Calls on OTG and Nothing But Nut here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly,
1: subscribe today. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger
0: puppets?
2: Look! Here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody!
1: No... I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
2: Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue.
1: Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
3: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time?